Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Welcome to your show. Here's my mom, Amanda Rocky. Hey everyone, it's Amanda Radke here, back for another episode of The Heart of Rural America, the show where we fight for private property rights, for freedom, for liberty, for local government control, and we fight for families that are doing good in their communities to make this country a better place. Today, I have a dear friend on the show. I met her after the 2020 election, and we've connected on so many important issues. She lives in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and she has a incredible story to share that we can all learn from today. So I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> Try it again. You'll, you'll hear why when you hear her accent, where she's from. Okay. You say your you name. so funny. Dominica. Dominica. I got so nervous. That's all right. That's okay. You can... <laughs> so we're going to do it wrong. And then it's just like, yeah, all is good. <laughs> Dominica Blum from Aberdeen, originally from Poland. Uh, we yes. just had to spend some time today in Pierce, South Dakota earlier this week. More on that later. But first, let's just talk about your story, where you came from and how you landed in Aberdeen. So I, like you said, I was born and raised in Poland. Uh, we left Poland in the late 80s to escape communism, to leave that behind for a better life. We came to the U.S. in the proper measures, if you would. We had a sponsor. That's how we uh, got to Aber- or actually to Chicago. And I did all my schooling in Chicago, my high school, my college. And then a few years ago, almost actually almost 10 years ago, I met my husband, John, and he's originally from South Dakota. So that's how we ended up in Aberdeen. He promised me the world and he brings me to Aberdeen, South Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) Folks have never been to Aberdeen, South Dakota. It is the tundra. It is like Mitchell looks like a paradise compared to weather in Aberdeen. Yeah, I think John wants to say hi. Come and say hi, John. Oh, yes, please do. Come say hi. <laughs> you know, John, you met him as well. Yes. The first time I met, he was just so I, hi, John. I met <laughs> John at the, what was it? The Aberdeen Egg <laughs> Chamber <laughs> Celebration event. Is that the agriculture was? celebration, I think, where you were the uh, speaker there. Yes. And I was talking at that that time. Well, he didn't have to run off, but I'm glad oh, he said I was talking at that time. It was shortly kind of in the middle of the pandemic or right on the tail end about food security and the vulnerabilities in our food supply. And I yes. could tell most of the audience wasn't really getting what I was putting down, but you did because we got it. I got it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, we did. <laughs> Talk to me about food, about living in communism. What was that like? Oh man, so it was tough. You know, I as a kid, I didn't realize it was tough because my mom was created enough to make tons of different uh, potato dishes that I did not know they were all fruit potatoes. You know, so. But I did realize as I was growing up that that was not the norm, that other countries did not just eat potatoes and milk all the time or 
simple things that you know we could get so food was controlled very much we had ration cards and that wasn't always like that in poland but i remember that that you had a ration card so each family had you know a kilo of flour a kilo of you know butter if it was available sugar all these necessary maybe even cigarettes and so if your family didn't smoke then maybe you would trade or bargain with other families i mean and then it it didn't really matter if you had that ration because you could be waiting for in line for hours and hours and by the time you actually enter the store the shelves were empty you know so you had to be really creative of what how are you going to cook for your family so give us a little history lesson what was going on at that time because people might just they need a little reference point here so poland was overtaken by russia i mean between pol if okay so geography poland is right in the middle of it's central europe right so it's a country right in the center of europe on the west we have germany and on the east we have russia we used to have russia now we have ukraine and then russia right so and during that time poland was really in the middle of two superpowers and was destroyed over and over and over years after years and world war one and world war two and so since to my understanding don't quote me on the dates but i want to say that since world war two or right after world war two uh poland really became under the rule of russia so became a communist country where russia ruled us pretty much you had to learn russian in school i hated that i hate it i mean i have many best friends who are russian now but as a kid i did not i wanted to learn my enemy's language you know which actually you should know your enemy's language so i don't know about you <laughs> but still, i studied... you still know russian you still know russian i can understand quite a bit but i since i did not want to learn it you know <laughs> yeah right. i don't use it on a daily basis but i will tell you i definitely do not want to learn chinese well spoken i don't either no uh, no in here yeah so, so during when I was a kid when I was growing up in Poland Poland was ruled by Russia and many people were leaving for many reasons because you didn't have any freedoms you had martial law I remember that when I was a kid I remember there was Russia was coming in and Poland stated or have a emergency time which was martial law you couldn't get out of the you know you couldn't be past the curfew or you couldn't do whatever you you know you had to just only be at work and at home that's it I mean just so many things I remember you know I was little so I was you know, by the time we left, I was 14. So I just remember as in my childhood, I, I remember tanks on the, you know, like war tanks, right on the streets of Warsaw. And just it was gray and it was sad. And it was just, <laughs> just not a good time to grow up, you know, not a, not a great. Yeah. So tell me about the people during that time. I imagine there was undercurrents of civil disobedience or people that yes. understood what was happening. Yes. Were, were the majority of people just kind of go along to get along? Or what was what was kind of the vibe well, there? most people i think knew exactly what was happening depending on what situation they were in or maybe what position they had they could or could not do things that's why many people left poland not just poland but many european countries were communists at the time and so many people seeked asylum in different places and were able to leave that way we got lucky enough that we were able to leave with a friend of our my mom's and so i think for example my mom she knew exactly what, what was happening but she had to be a uh, part of the red party she had no choice you had no choice you didn't have a choice you would go to like meetings and that kind of thing right correct you had to do it but because she was a single mom she really had that excuse that she couldn't make it because she had to take care of me which was obviously yep. she could make it if she wanted to but she didn't want to right you know so there was you know you really 
you didn't have the freedom. You couldn't do what you wanted to do. And I think most people knew it. Some people, of course, there's always going to be people that think the government is the say all, do all and be all. And, you know, just whatever the government wants, they do. But most people, I think, were awake and understood what was happening. And I think that's why we had a huge immigration from Poland during the 80s and even before. 80s really started to be really bad. I don't know if you've heard, that's when uh, Solidarity, like Vawansa started the Solidarity Movement in the early 80s. It took over nine years to actually get Poland to be free. So literally, we left in May and about June, July, Germany got back together. Remember, it was East Germany, West Germany. I don't know if you remember if you were alive at the time, but... <laughs> I had an 87 model, but I, I like... Okay, so you were you were alive in, in, during this time. But, yeah. uh, and then um, Russia pretty much, you know, we said no more. People started to strike, but it took years. It took years to get get that. And now Poland is doing great. You know, it's been 30 some years, 35 years almost since we left. And the country is booming. People are happy. It's it's uh, economy of Poland economy is crazy good. So it's amazing what can happen in just 30 years. But it's also amazing if people don't do anything. I cannot even just imagine if Poland still would be a communist country. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Apathy, right? Of just like, well, I can't do anything. So we'll just go along with it. And yeah. But when good people stand up and say no more, uh, they can make all the difference in the world. Uh, Absolutely. Tell me about what it felt like to land on American soil. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that was amazing. Uh, uh, I remember I, we, we took the last flight of Pan Am Air. I don't know if you remember that uh, airline, but it was Pan Am Air. People were still smoking on the plane. Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember landing and I remember, I still remember like it was yesterday. We took a yellow cab. Never seen a yellow cab in my life. Never, you know, I mean, Poland had cabs, but not like this. It was American cab. Everything was huge. Everything was big. The guy that was black guy that was our cab driver, nicest guy ever, but I had no idea what he was saying i just remember his big smile he was just so kind i just remember when we landed and we got in the cab it was just so fresh and so like literally i i tell people that the air smelled like freedom wow oh it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it and and just the the opportunity that existed for you that yeah what could unfold and what you escaped so when you got to taste american food with like meat oh man You know, that was crazy because I just actually talked to the Brown County Republicans last month. Our uh, mutual friend, Katie Washnack, invited me to talk about communism. And we also talked about food because it was during lunch. And so I remember when I first got to the U.S. and we went to McDonald's, right? Because there was no McDonald's during that time in Europe, or at least in Poland. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a burger and fries. And I said, wait, that's all for me? That's What do you mean? Like, it's one or the other, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was all this food. No wonder I gained like 20 pounds. In yeah. two weeks. <laughs> well, I would too if I had to subsist on potatoes forever <laughs> my whole childhood. Oh, you guys can't see. She's tearing up. But that's it's important. I mean, a kid that's growing up without proper nutrition because of government regimes right. that take control of the people, the land, the food. I say this all the time in my speeches <sighs> and on the show. He who yeah. controls the land controls the food and who controls the food controls the people. And at the crux of all these things that are happening in every state across the nation are governments, state and federal, that are trying to take control of the land and strip us of our private property rights and our ability to feed ourselves. It's it's terrifying. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by CK6 Consulting Services. 
I have the great pleasure of working alongside the CK6 team, including Chris Earle, Wes Tiemann, and Cody Fleeman, and it's an honor to assist cattle producers as they strive to meet their business goals. With a purebred Angus specialization, we have a full slate of auction sales coming up as we work to maximize price discovery and capture true value for our clients and customers. Plus, let us help you identify your next herd sire for the upcoming breeding season. At CK6 Source, you'll find great customer service, fast shipping, and a focus on leading Angus genetics. Learn more about what we do at ck6consulting.com and ck6source.com. We would love to assist you any way we can. God bless. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radke Landing Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A, Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. Okay, so I don't want to get off the topic of food and I want to talk about COVID and food and all the things we've talked about. But quick question, as you see in the news with all this illegal immigration and just the border crisis, how does it make you feel as a, a that escaped communism the right way? It really makes me devastated. Tell me more. Like, explain. Well, that's a loaded question, I know, but I think, I think it's so important. I get it. I get why people want to come here. I get it. It's a country of milk and honey, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Opportunity. You work hard. You can do whatever you want. But there's a right way and the wrong way to do it. To doing it. And when you think about really, if all these people who are coming here really were, de you know, deprived or their rights or really seeking asylum, where are their families? All I see is men. Yeah. Coming through. Maybe there are some children, but those children, as you know, they don't want to be there. They're being trafficked. Right. Oh, yeah. And so it breaks my heart to see. I always call like my country of milk and honey, right, mm -hmm. is being destroyed and devastated. Mm -hmm. And I know why that's happening, because the other the other side wants votes. I mean, bottom line, that's what they want. And they want to legalize all these people so they'll be able to vote. And it's proven that a first time voter usually votes Democrat unless they're taught otherwise. Because they're promised all kinds of things. That they and, kind of things and that's the thing. People think that they're going to get things for free. Well, friends, there's <laughs> nothing's free. Nothing's free. There's always a catch, right? There's always a catch. So, you know, like, uh, even talking about, you know, promise of free healthcare in because we had free health healthcare in communism. Yeah, but you would wait for months and months and months to see anybody. And wow. if you saw anybody, you might have been dead by then because you didn't get help as you needed it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really get emotional 
<laughs> Talking about emotions. <laughs> we are human. Well, it's funny because, well, you were there yesterday for my testimony and I was yeah. chastised by a state senator in front yeah. of a room full of people for having too much emotion. And my response was, no, sir, it's not, it's not emotion. It's passion. It's patriotism. It's purpose. It's a devotion to the Constitution. It's called being an American. Pretty sure our founding fathers and George Washington, when he crossed the Delaware, they had passion. It's what makes this country great. I think uh, your emotions, your honest, sincere, raw tears of escaping communism, knowing what that looks like. And then now you are a champion for freedom here in the United States. You are literally telling people if we get complacent because things have been so good here. That's exactly it. I, I, I got to thank you for that because I, I feel like your voice is so important in these conversations. And it's, it's my sincere belief that people are going to learn something from this episode. I want them to learn. So let's, let's bring it to modern times. 2020 hits. It's an election. There's a global pandemic. You and I meet and uh, bond over food issues. What kind of stuck out to you during that time of parallels of what was happening in this country compared to where you escaped? I could see the signs. So what does communism want? First of all, control, right? Mm -hmm. So when people, whoever is in charge, controls our food supply and what you can or cannot grow in your backyard, right? I don't own farmland like you do, but I have a backyard. I could grow. I could have a big garden. And if they want me to register that garden and they want me to buy seeds just from them, what does that tell you? And uh, yeah, it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's not. I want to know what's in my food. I want to know where my food comes from. I don't want somebody to tell me I can eat this or not that. Well, if people forgot during that time, governors like in Michigan, she was literally telling people they couldn't buy seeds. Like the garden section in Walmarts were like sectioned off. Like you literally couldn't go and plant a garden in your backyard without a registry so that the government knew you're growing tomatoes. Unbelievable. That, and people don't see that, but that's one. That's 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 how it starts. They want full control of what you eat. They want full control of your money. They want full control of your faith. They want you to be poor. They want to control the education system. I mean, come on, that's how it starts. And we can, you know, we can watch Netflix and binge and not think about it. But the issues are there, and you could see it. I mean, if you you see it, you haven't lived in communism, but you see it. Those are the signs. You know, they want to increase debt, so we we have to depend on the government. Yeah. I mean, this is real. How do you not say that they want gun control? I mean, <laughs> for the good of the community, right? For the betterment of everybody. And to me, I'm like, everybody needs to go back to basic social studies class. Read yes. the Constitution. Read the Bill of Rights. Understand what the role of government is. Mm-hmm. It's not to build big businesses and expand and give away money to foreign nations. That's what was right. it originally created for? It was to protect the individual God-given rights of the citizens. And it is just wildly, in red and blue states, it has gotten so big and so out of control. And the heavy hand of government is coming down on us. And it's like, wait, that's not your job here. Your 100%. job is to protect the individual. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw a level of incompetency and arrogance and disdain when mm-hmm. I was in peer here the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. They might be beating their chests thinking they're winning right now, but it is just emboldening, like empowering the people. Mm-hmm. Like, I might just be a coffee shop owner or a farmer or a rancher or yeah. a, a school teacher, 
but I'm yes. a citizen of South Dakota. I'm a citizen of this great country and Absolutely. you don't get to run over the top of me. Like you just don't. I agree. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, and I, I want to end this on good things too. And talk yeah, about yeah, 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 totally. Doing. But let's talk a little bit about what happened this past week in South Dakota. You came to a Senate testimony hearing here just this yeah. week. Tell us about why you felt the need to be there. Well, I think the more people wake up and realize what's happening, the more voices are heard that we can make a difference, you know, because the government, no matter if it's local or federal or state level, they work for us, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And I think people forget that. So I think our voices need to be heard. Thank you for letting me know and inviting me to come. And I thought you absolutely rocked it. I was like, yes, that's my girl right there. <laughs> And then we got completely scolded for being too noisy and excited. Yeah, yeah, wasn't that? So just a little interesting tidbit. After I got done giving my testimony, everybody in the room clapped because it was it was citizens and landowners. And it was like I kind of said the quiet part out loud, I think, that everybody yeah. wanted to say and yeah. nobody can or is able to. So yeah. everybody applauded. And then, yeah, we got our hands slapped for we will have order in this committee. And I just thought... The only reason he's saying that is simply because he knows he's going to vote against every single person in this room, every South Dakota right. that took off work that day, spent gas mm-hmm. money to go, sat in pier all day while the paid lobbyists, it's just another day at work for them. But they knew, oh yeah, there was pressure there. And uh, yeah, we were told to behave, but well-behaved women rarely make history, right? That's exactly it. <laughs> That's exactly it. And so, you know, I think to need to be even more involved on that level of the state level, because I don't think people are really aware of what's happening. They're just saying, oh, it's another bill. Oh, it's another bill. They don't realize how this is going to not only affect us, but generations to come if we don't say something, if we don't stand up for what we believe in. Right. And if I could just take a few moments to tell people what's going on and kind of the issue that we were there for. Right now in South Dakota, there is an out-of-state, privately owned, foreign-backed company that wants to come in the eastern side of the state and put a carbon capture pipeline to benefit the sustainable aviation fuel industry, the first billion-dollar company that wants to set roots at home in South Dakota to push through. It's got massive federal tax dollars pushing behind it. And I'm not against pipelines. I'm not against adding value to ethanol. I'm not against building businesses in South Dakota. But this company has no public good, meaning average citizen, you and I are not going to be using sequestered carbon for any particular reason. It's not like electric and water where a pipeline or a power line would be totally appropriate. And the citizens of the community would say, yeah, bring it in. We need this. This Mm -hmm. is to enrich very few people on the backs of the people who call this place home. And the reason I got involved in this fight is two years ago, I got a call from an elderly widow. She has 10 acres of land and the carbon pipeline companies show up at her door. By the way, they have armed security. I mean, they weren't friendly about it. Mm. Um, And they threatened her. They basically said, if you don't Mm. sign this easement, we're going to put it through with using eminent domain and you will have no choice. And this company has gone so far as to slap condemnation papers on 160 plus landowners. They're suing individual counties for creating ordinances that would protect those counties from just being bulldozed by this out-of-state foreign-backed company. They're saying basically, well, we, uh, we can do what we want according to the state law. And so this has all come to a head. And now the legislators are having to find some clear guidelines 
the bills that have been pushed through so far, like 1185 and 1186, they, they're little crumbs for the landowners. Like, oh, we'll give them $500 for access. Well, if I say no thank you to a private company, I don't want to do business with a private company. I should be able to say no. Absolutely. And that's the thing these legislators and lobbyists don't get. It's not about money for us. It's my home, my backyard, my land, my businesses. Yep. They're mine. And yep. if I don't have private property rights and I can't make decisions locally, yep. I'm not free. And 100%. so yesterday, a terrible bill was introduced by Senator Crabtree and it, it's SB 201 and it sought to strip local control and governance away from the people. Um, there's no two counties in South Dakota that are exactly the same. Terrains are different, needs are different, population densities are different. But the state is essentially saying, and Crabtree is essentially saying, we're going to grease the wheel for this one company. We're going to iron out and create a uniform standard at the state level so that they can skip the step of suing all the landowners in all the counties. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it so easy and cozy for them because mm -hmm. companies like Jivo are threatening, well, if we don't get our way, we'll just move to another state. Well, guess what? Great. The, the rules of the game are already in place. We have private property rights. We have an ability to say no and to try to circumvent all of that just to grease the wheel. It's crazy to me. And we'll get back to you in a second, but I just want to take no, This is going to air this week when it's really critical votes are coming up. Yep. Um, so I want, I want to take this opportunity to do that. But essentially, there's four other states in the country that have done this. They're all blue Democrat states. It's Michigan. It's Illinois. It's California. It's New York. Colorado right now, as we speak, is trying to grease the wheel for carbon, solar, and wind to come in on oh. the backs of the landowners. And I'm saying, I don't think South Dakota wants to be a part of that list. I don't think mm -hmm. our governor wants to be on that list of governors that are signing away the rights of the local citizens. Under God, the people rule here, right, in South Dakota. And so it's a huge conflict. It's a huge constitutional crisis. One way or another, this is going to end up in the courts. But I guess I'm asking everybody right now, if you're from South Dakota, to email your state senators and mm -hmm. tell them they must stop SB 201. Now, on the flip side, there's a good bill that's going that's been smoked out on the House. It's going to be debated, hopefully, if we get enough votes. And it's all happening this week in Pierre. That bill was introduced by the good legislator, Representative John Hansen. It's HB 1219. That would provide a definition for carbon capture for permanent sequestration apart from things like water and electric. And it would also eliminate the use of eminent domain for private gain. And so that bill, we need a strong showing of support. And so my other call to action would be, if you are in South Dakota, email your House of Representatives today, like this moment, the second you are hearing of this, because timing is of the essence here, mm -hmm. uh, email them today and tell them they must push forward HB 1219. Those two bills, if we promote the one, if we pass the one into law 1219, will protect private property rights. And if we kill SB 201, we will protect local government control because the best decisions are made right at home and in our local communities with the people who are invested in the future of those communities. So with that, I just got my little spiel. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a lot happening and people are always mm -hmm. surprised. I got a national audience. People are like, South Dakota? This is really a problem? I thought this wasn't a thing here. And yeah. I said, you know, it might be being advertised as the freest state in the nation, 
But right now we have some serious, serious problems and good people need to get involved. That's just, that's the fact of the matter. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high quality beef in the white tablecloth space, Meats by Lynn's is a four generation family owned business. The Lynn's Heritage Angus program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product, a focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle, allows Fred Linz and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at linzheritageangus.com and shop for beef at shoplinz.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. You guys know, as a beef girl, I take grilling very seriously around here. And I've been using Redmond Real Salt for over a decade to season my steaks and burgers. It's unrefined, ancient sea salt exactly as nature made it. It contains 60 plus naturally occurring trace minerals, and it truly brings out the best of the beef we raise at home on the ranch. This American family-owned business also focuses on livestock products. And at Radke Land and Cattle, we are proud to use the beneficial Redmond Real Salt Minerals to get back to the basics and help our cattle improve fertility, immunity, and feed efficiency. It's natural, simple, and effective for people and livestock. Discover more at redmondagriculture.com and redmondlife.com and use code RADKEY to save. Or contact a local dealer and mention my name for a special discount. So now that I've like got my blood pressure boiling and I'm all, I'm all hyped up, and I suppose I could add my testimony comments at the end of this show if folks want to listen, but good. let's talk about good things. Let's talk about some positive things that you're working on right now in Aberdeen. I, I love promoting like entrepreneurship and small business, and you've got some exciting things going. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Thank you. So I drank tea, hot tea, my whole entire life. And I always wanted to have some kind of a cafe, tea shop, bistro type of thing, just to really showcase my my European background, right? Mm -hmm. I've traveled the world, so I've been to many different cafes, and we just don't have anything like that in Aberdeen. So John and I, my husband and I, that you saw that bold guy uh, at the (laughs) beginning, (laughs) him and I, we acquired this church building that was not a church building anymore, and we were not going to be preachers. We have our faith, but it was just not our calling. And so we decided to make that into a tea, coffee, crepe, kind of a bistro cafe. So we're so excited because right now you have to go three hours from Aberdeen to get a boba tea or to get a crepe. So there's not a true place here to get that. And I just, you know, crepes are Mm, delicious <laughs> so when we open you totally should come and visit I us will. so we'll do savory crepes and sweet crepes and teas my faves and we'll do boba teas which is a little bit of a twist because it's not exactly european but it's just such a crazy good trend and the teas are delicious boba teas and then we'll do baked goods our one of our really great friends is going to be our executive baker and she just creates deliciousness i don't know how she does it but She's amazing. And so, yeah, we'll be opening up in the next couple of uh, months. So we can't wait. Wow. Okay. So yeah. where in Aberdeen <laughs> is it going to be? Like we're, we're in town. 
So this is also also exciting. We live on the south side of town, if you're familiar with Melgard and Maine and Eisenhower. Three-minute drive from Northern State, about three-minute drive from Central High School. There's not a cafe, coffee, tea, anything in this part of town. Wow. Well, so I'm very so I definitely am going to be, when, oh, I guess I should ask, when is it, when is it coming up? When is it open? So we're looking to open beginning of April, end of March. We are on Facebook and, so, and uh, Instagram under Crave with a K. Okay. Um, so people can give us a follow and they can kind of see the process. We've been showing silly, fun, cute videos about what's happening and the process of renovating the building and kind of the um, little snippets of the menu that we'll have. Wonderful. So are you doing all the baking or do you have a crew? What's that look like? So we have an executive baker that's going to be all doing all the goodies. We will be hiring all the positions. I have really high standards, Amanda, you know, so we'll be (laughs) teaching uh, really uh, all of our staff on how to really have a European experience. Really welcoming to everybody. I want everybody to come, but just an elevator experience that we just don't have in town. So is there going to be anything potato on the menu? No. (laughs) (laughs) no potatoes i love potatoes but i think uh, i've had many potatoes in my life i want to showcase other other goodies from uh my childhood that you know i'm sorry i couldn't even help myself i had i get it it's kind of funny i get it (laughs) if you can't laugh you'd cry right so it's like you gotta find humor in it it's um yes that's what i love about you you're so positive like you radiate this this like optimistic view even though you understand the hardships and I know it's a heavy load to carry sometimes, especially when you feel like people just aren't paying attention or don't care. And you're like screaming, like, please care, but you still manage to find joy in it all. Does that go back to your faith or where do you find that joy? You know, yes, I think it does. I mean, I, I grew up in a religion, Poland when I was growing up was 99% Catholic, but I was not saved until probably about 11 years ago. And yeah, it's just, my faith, Jesus just gives me peace. Yeah. So no matter what happens, I know we'll be fine. And if it's not here, it will be with him up in heaven, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But I also think, you know, what's the alternative? Yeah. I could be sad. I could be pissed off. I could be miserable. But what's right. <laughs> How fun is that? Right. So, well, and I've noticed, you know, people have almost a defeatist attitude where it's like, oh, they're going to win anyway. I mean, I've had people tell me this on these private property rights issues. Like you're going against big money and lots of political power and they're going to lose. And I, I'm like, first of all, I'm putting all my chips in here. I'm, I'm not going to lose. But number two, what does winning look like? Winning to me obviously would right. be defeating this agenda and stopping it in its tracks. But winning to me also looks like slowing down the tide a little bit, being the the moral conscience in the public square of saying, look at what these politicians are doing. Is that right? Holding people accountable, holding the fire to their feet a little bit, showing people that they too can have courage and really, yeah, drawing back to our faith that Jesus died on the cross by a mob that was willing to crucify him. I mean, that's what he did for us. But he also taught us that we can do the same. We can stand in courage and the truth. And yeah, maybe we're not martyred on, on a cross for it, but there's consequences, right, to standing up and speaking up for the truth. But Jesus went through the worst of it. So how bad can it be for that's us? Right. You know, we can withstand that. And that's so gives me faith. Exactly. You know, it's a 100%. pick up the cross, suffer well and find joy, joy in it all. What a great thing we yeah. have in Jesus. We just have a few minutes left on the show. Um, first, where can people follow along? We did talk about the restaurant or the Crave, um, but where can folks follow your posts or, or what you do? 
how can they get in touch with you? So the best I think would be social media. Crave has its own Facebook and Instagram page. On um, Facebook, we are just Crave with a K. On Instagram, we are We Love Crave with a K. That's the Polish thing because we don't really use a C word in in Polish. K is like, you know... the pronunciation is different. So we had to do a little bit something different, but um, otherwise on Facebook, I'm under Dominica Blum on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, they can reach out with any questions they may have about communism or, or, uh, you know, the signs, whatever, whatever they want to talk about. I'm pretty open. Oh, you, are. Um, you are. Well, yes, I hope everybody goes and follows you and learns from you. And hopefully this episode is of value. What advice would you have for people? to to get involved or push back or fight for freedom? I think what it would be, it's maybe to stop watching Netflix every day or whatever shows yeah. they're doing and get involved. Just learn what's happening because if our freedoms are taken away, it's much, much harder to get them back yeah. versus protecting our rights and our freedoms that we have now. You know, go to meetings, learn what's happening, email the people that work for us, email the people, call the people that we've elected, tell them what you want because... If they don't hear from us, how are they going to know? They're just going to vote on how they feel like instead of doing the work that we want them to do, right? That's why we elected those people. Right. You know, we want that to keep going, to be having, to have elections because in, again, going back to my background in communism, you don't have that choice. Nobody's elected. They say they're elected. They're not elected. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so we need to. Yeah, we need to, con- you know, preserve this freedom, this beautiful country that we are in, this beautiful state of South Dakota. It's so important. Local government is so important, more so, I think, than anything else, really. Wow. You know? it, it is it is a battle, and it's one that we're going to have to continue to fight. And it's people like you that are willing to serve as that voice of, I escaped communism. Don't bring communism to the United States of America. I think your message is so important. Yes. I'm so grateful for your friendship and your big heart and your love of Jesus and community and, and for even bearing South Dakota weather. But I know your message is pretty <laughs> great. So he was totally worth the move. And uh, yes, totally. Shout out totally. to John. Uh, well, that's a wrap on today's show. I sure appreciate the time today. I'm Amanda Radke with the Heart of Real America, and we'll see you on the Dusty Trail. My name is Amanda Radke. I'm a farmer and rancher, business owner, wife, mother, speaker, and columnist here in South Dakota. I'm from Mitchell, and I'm here today not representing any organization, but truly representing myself and the grassroots efforts of independent farmers and ranchers in this state who haven't been talked to about the implications of SB 201. So I'm here to strongly oppose this and I'm here to tell you why today. So speaking specifically to the concerns of SB 201, one thing I'd like to point out to you, in my work, I speak across the country, speak at events coast to coast, and my work focuses on agricultural policy and overreaching regulations and bureaucracies that put the heavy hand of government over landowners and farmers and ranchers. In my travels, I can see those devastating impacts and am here to serve as the canary in the coal mine that this is not something we want to invite to the state of South Dakota. So let me ask you a question. What do New York, California, Michigan, and Illinois have in common? They're all blue-run Democrat states, correct? Now here's where it gets interesting. What do New York, California, Michigan, and Illinois also have in common? They've passed legislation just like SB 201 in their states. 
In the last two weeks, I've been in New York and Illinois. And in Illinois, I talked to legislators and landowners after my presentation, and they warned me about the devastating impacts it has had on their rural communities in their state. Now, I highly doubt South Dakota wants to be number five on that list. And that's where I'm here today urging you to reconsider and look at the dangerous ramifications that are inside the bill, because really, the devil is in the details on this. SB 201 would strip away local control and governance. This isn't about the benefits of a pipeline project or opportunities in agriculture. There's no stronger champion for agriculture than me. I believe in building business and value-added agriculture and bringing projects to this state so we can be competitive on a national and global scale. But the real issue here isn't if we can build businesses, it's if we can protect the citizens, the families, the individuals who have packed this building here today, saying this is our state. This is where we call home. This is where we raise our children. This is where we are growing our businesses. And to put the boot on the neck of these families is wildly inappropriate. And I would just leave you with this. You know, it was mentioned here earlier today uh, that farmers have everything to gain and everything to lose if this should not go through. I'm not here to argue the benefits and the pros and cons of this specific project, but I am here to say he is right, that individual, he is right. Farmers and ranchers have everything to lose and everything to gain here. And what they have to lose is far greater than any economic development project. What they have to lose here today is their private property rights, their ability for local governments because local decisions are best made close to home, right? With people who are invested in the communities and to strip away that local control and put it in the hands of bureaucrats at a state level is not who we are in South Dakota. It's not who we want to be. And I would also add, I doubt, I highly doubt that if this passes and moves on to the Senate floor and through the house and lands on the governor's desk, I highly doubt Governor Kristi Noem, who stands for freedom and independence and liberty and letting we the people rule and govern ourselves, that she could possibly sign this bill into law and join states like Michigan, Illinois, California, and New York. Thank you so much for the time. While I've got you here, I would love to invite you to check out my website, amandaradke.com. Each week, I share my column, this podcast, and new items to shop for farm and ranch families including my children's books that celebrate agriculture. Use code DUSTYTRAIL to save 15% on your next purchase. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting my small business and for your continued support in keeping me on the road fighting for farm and ranch families. I'm thankful to each and every one of you who tune into this show each week. New episodes drop every Wednesday so be sure to subscribe, share, and leave a review to let me know how you're liking the content and our guests. Until the next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is The Heart of Rural America.